Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Two huge games in Europe this weekend. Coming up later, we'll look back on an El Clasico victory for Real Madrid that puts Barcelona Xavi under a little bit of pressure. First off, though, Liverpool beating Manchester City at Anfield. Pep Guardiola suggesting afterwards that his side got a bit of a raw deal. Is he right? We'll find out. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. For Salah, there is a way for Liverpool. Can he finish it this time? Yes, he does. They're thinking, thank goodness he stayed on. So, in the Premier League, Liverpool ended Manchester City's unbeaten run at Anfield. Jurgen Klopp was sent off. Pep Guardiola furious at various times, but particularly. With a disallowed goal, the Athletics' Oli Kay and our city writer Sam Lee, who was there yesterday, are with us. It didn't have the goals, maybe, of previous encounters, Sam, but it was gripping. It was gripping, and I think it's because it felt like there were goals. If There was the emotion of goals. You know, when Salah went through on goal the first time, half of Anfield, well, I think everyone in Anfield was stood up. Half of Anfield was celebrating, thinking it would go in, and it didn't. That felt dramatic. And I think it was immediately from that the City scored their goal that was disallowed. So it, it had that drama. It had the kind of end-to-end quality of a big game that we expect like when these two teams play. Um, probably a bit more end-to-end than normal, actually. Um, and it did have those moments. And then, obviously, it looked like it might go nil-nil at one stage, but it would have been a decent one. The sensation I remember thinking, and I, I still think this now, but I, I said to James Pearce, our Liverpool correspondent, who I was sat next to, I was like, if either team was to win this 1-0, I think you'd say fair enough. It, it was that sort of game. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was open enough. City, I don't think City had as many chances as Guardiola said afterwards. He said they had, he said four, five, six, seven chances in front of the goalkeeper. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was quite as clear-cut as that. But it did feel like they had a threat for large part. I think maybe because it could have been, as, as Sam says, Ollie, 1-0 to either side. That's probably why... Neither head coach afterwards seemed to be get carried away with the result in either direction. I wonder. I wonder whether also because Liverpool are so far behind, 
and I know they were last season as well. Maybe it's not the reaction isn't as seismic. No, and it's it's fairly early in the season, isn't it? It's uh, it feels like we've had a lot of games, but it is it is only um, mid October. It's not. It didn't feel like a seismic occasion. I think everybody can see Arsenal setting a really impressive pace, but um, I don't think that's like um, you know the end of Man City's title challenge or anything remotely like that. I think most people would still say Man City favourites, and um, most people would say Liverpool are going to have a slog to get into the top four after the after the start they've had but it's uh no it's, it felt like a it felt like a, a significant result just in terms of ending C- city's unbeaten runs stopping Haaland and and liverpool getting going again because they've had a really poor start Let, let's do the referee next and then we'll come on to tactics and stuff I, i'm watching it as well with two with two former pros yesterday we actually really enjoyed the refereeing of <laughs> of that game i have to say in that maybe it's just being old school but he let he let quite a lot go. He didn't. He didn't blow for for everything. And then afterwards, Ollie Klopp in his Sky interview talked about, well, you know, when you're in the when you're in the middle of it and and you're involved in this every single day, you you think that's you think that's too much. You don't think it should be refereed like that. I like the physicality. I like it when they let it flow. But I did think there were occasions yesterday where there were just really blatant fouls. It seemed like he'd taken that. I'm not going to blow for things to an extreme. I thought I thought it was I thought it was ridiculous. Some of the things he was letting go, where there was you know somebody being pulled or somebody somebody having the Tiago challenge, for example, was a red card. I felt like he let things flow too much. Did you? Did you? I th- see because yeah. I thought there was a bit. I I thought he was quite sensible in that. In that he used mitigation. In that it was fairly obvious that Tiago slipped as well in part in in going into it i mean it it was never going to be a great challenge but he also slipped which i think compounded compounded what it looked like i mean that was my, i'm just saying how how you can view different challenges you can have different opinions on the same challenge can't you? i thought it was interesting what jamie carragher was saying you know the referee was consistent he did he did let everything flow and then the vr var said well look i'm sorry but you've got to look at that that's tech, you know that is a foul i thought the one on, on fabinho was really borderline I wouldn't normally expect to see a, a goal disallowed for that in in the build-up but what I thought was really blatant was the challenge on Alistair I think that's why the ball was spilled I, I thought that was why the, disallowing the goal should not be considered vaguely controversial I thought it was a clear foul we were told Sam that if the shirt pull had been allowed then they'd have gone to the Allison one and that and it would have mm-hmm. been di- disallowed for that but that point was Guardiola's point actually afterwards wasn't it that you know, you let the game flow, you let the game flow, you don't really give fouls for those kind of challenges that then the goal was disallowed for. When I saw it live, I thought, well, because Klopp had his arms in the air, he was like, that's definitely a foul on Fabinho. And I was like, okay, if they score, they're going to bring this back and have a look. So that was always, I always knew that was going to happen. But I thought I thought in real time, like, there's no way that's a foul. But And I didn't see it until a couple of hours afterwards. Our monitor wasn't working. And then it got to the point where I was writing my article and I thought, the next words I write are heavily dependent on what I think <laughs> about this incident. I can't write this article anymore. I need to find it. Found it. And I was like, oh, he's just pulled his shirt. Yeah. And in, in terms of that different ways to see a challenge, it's interesting then because Ollie thought it was borderline, but it's not like handball where you could ask a million different people you get a million different answers. If he's pulled his shirt, it's just a foul, isn't it? And at, at first I thought, oh, was he was Fabinho already falling? Was he leaning into him? Was he I thought he's just pulled his shirt. We know how strong Haaland is. It, it, it's a foul and then to go back to the inconsistency of it it seems like if Taylor had seen the shirt pull and went oh I'm letting that go because that's the day we were having 
and then it's corrected by VAR. You can complain about the inconsistency. But if he's not seen the shirt pull, VAR can say that was a clear and obvious error. That is a foul there. And it's led directly to a goal. So therefore, it's black and white. So that was my reading of it, really. I get maybe not in this case because I think it was probably a clear and obvious error that was missed but if you know, well, the Premier League they had a meeting with everybody at the start of the season they said they will try to do this and if this happens in games in the future where there are borderline fouls and then they go back and it's a 50-50 and it, no, but like, everyone's completely torn on it because I think everybody more or less agrees that it was a shirt pull it was a foul if there's one in future where nobody can really decide and they go back that's when it's going to be more controversial because you can't have a referee on the pitch letting the game go and VAR doing everything by the book it doesn't work the final one on that uh, Ollie which is the counter argument to, to Jamie Carragher D- Danny Murphy said to me look it's perfectly understandable you let challenges go some of them you might get right and some of them you might get wrong when one then leads to a goal then you probably have to hold your hands up and admit that you got that decision wrong that's all it is yeah I mean it does it does make you think well why is the why is the threshold so so different for a for, for the VAR the, for the referee? I, yesterday was more like the refereeing that I want to see more often. But there were two challenges by each team, which I thought, how has he not given that? That is that is so big. There was the one where I can't remember. Was it somebody took was it Rodri? I think took yes Salah out Salah's yeah, yeah. legs from under him, and I'm sure yeah. if that had been, led to a goal, yeah, that would yeah, have been yes. that would have yeah. been. Pull back and disallowed. Guardiola saying, "Yeah, but this is Anfield. This is Anfield." Well, the referee let the goal stand. The guy in the in the sterile yeah. environment in um, Stockley Park said, "No, mate, you've got you've made a mistake there." So it was nothing to do with the the Anfield fact. Yeah, I, I mean, he did say this is Anfield, didn't he, Guardiola? I mean, is that do you, is that the standard? Let let's divert attention from other things, Sam, which every single manager out of all ninety two clubs probably uses. It's because he, and I put a bit of this in my article, but I don't think yesterday was one of the big controversial moments for City at Anfield. Yeah. But there have been some over the years that Guardiola always goes back to. And I mean, he's already, you know, he was already thinking like, three years ago, I think, God, this always happens to us, Anfield, we're always getting screwed over here. And since then, they've had other games. So that three years ago was that one, do you remember when he was like shouting into the sky twice, yeah, twice, yeah, which yes, everybody knows. Yeah. And then obviously there was last season, I think, well, Milner's just should have been sent off again. You know, we I think I'm talking fairly objectively about these games here. Milner should have been sent off last season. Guardiola couldn't believe it. And again, he put that down to the whole, the decisions go against City and Anfield situation. It kind of stems from that Champions League game when, you know, the bus, the City bus was attacked beforehand. That night, it was before VAR. So, but like Salah was like marginally offside. But in those days, it was like, okay, well, they've got away. We won't, we won't talk about it again. But now those marginal offsides, the biggest crime in the world they city thought they should have had a penalty there was there was all all kinds of things like that so what his comments yesterday build into is just this feeling going back like five years really four or five mm. years um of like injustices anfield perceived or or genuine um so it just goes it goes into that but i posted a video on my twitter of guardiola after the goal was ruled out kind of Shaking his hands sarcastically and then like geeing up, like geeing up the Liverpool crowd, like yeah, cool, and then shouted, shouted, shouted. Yeah, uh, and it was exactly the same as what happened last season. I can't remember the incident. Maybe it was the Milner one, but it was exactly the same um, last season. So he will be thinking, "This is, you know, it's the same all over again." Do you think that was an error from him to to the the sort of come on then, give it, give it, give it us all, give it us all in? 
<laughs> in simply geeing up the Anfield crowd. I, uh, from memory, I've got a feeling. Did Arteta do that? Did Arteta yeah, well, do that, that last yeah, year? Yeah, and it completely yeah. changed the atmosphere of that game to Arsenal's detriment. It was changed, yeah, but it, it was changed. But it, it didn't need changing yesterday. Liverpool fans were already... Right, yeah. I think that's what I remember thinking at the time. You know, Liverpool fans were, all, were already up for a big game. The Liverpool players were already up for a big game. It was already uh, a good, like, rough and tumble match. I don't think it, it changed. I mean, maybe it stoked it a bit. And straight after that disallowed goal... Liverpool nearly scored, didn't they? They had was it a header? I can't remember. Such a whirlwind, but next attack they yeah, nearly yeah, scored. Yeah. So possibly, but I don't think it it changed the game or stoked them up anymore. I think that's how the game already was. But yeah, it was certainly risking it. And he said afterwards something like, "If they shout, you've got to shout louder, and they run, you got to run more." But it was that shouting thing. I think a reporter questioned him on it, and he just meant literally like, you know, after the disallowed goal. We wanted them to shout. We wanted, you know, we wanted them to almost give us that mad reaction, and for the play, for the city players to match it. He takes on so many things, doesn't he? Like he doesn't, he doesn't mind being a lightning rod for anything. Well, I would argue that neither of them do, Ollie. The top thing was as um, was pretty blatant, where where he was where he was sent to the stands, and he he just yelled, screamed in the in the in the face of the uh, I can't remember if it was the fourth official or the linesman, but it was. It was the li- it was the linesman actually, but it was it was blatant. I, it was good to see. It was good to see. You know, the officials clamped down on it. Uh, it's been publicised that there were you know, Sunday league grassroots matches at, on Merseyside abandoned or cancelled at, at the weekend yeah. because of you know a referees uh, complaining about the treatment that they're subjected to. Underlines that those issues come from the top. Um, managers, players have to set a better example and. Um, it's good that when they when they when they set a bad example that, that they're that they're punished. Talk about strange refereeing though, but why did they stop this city attack to send Klopp off? I know if you're gonna send a player off, you've got to do it because Because this is Anfield. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that was just so strange though, wasn't it? Like that's that and I d I don't know, I must say I don't know if that's in the laws of the game. The obviously you have to stop it if it's a player you're gonna send off because by the time the ball goes dead, that player could score a goal. It doesn't make any sense. But Klopp's not gonna affect the game before the ball goes dead. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In your replies, in, in comments to you, what you've seen from and heard from City fans, how, how much have they questioned how City set up? Yeah, there's been a lot. You could look at it and go, they have more possession than Liverpool, they've created more chances than Liverpool, and Liverpool hit them on a direct direct ball over the top from the goalkeeper and an individual mistake from Cancelo. You could look at it on that on that side. On the other side, you could go... Yeah, but if maybe they'd played more, a bit more as we would expect them to, in inverted commas, they might have had even more possession and created even more chances and, and have been clear by the time that long ball from Allison went went through to Mo Salah. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, 
because I'm always tying myself in knots, even in my own head when I'm thinking about this guy. If they'd have done that, or oh yeah, if if, they, if they'd, because I'm thinking, well, if they'd have, you know, I said earlier on, if City had have nicked that game one 0 which they, I think they were capable of, it would have been a fair result. We'd probably have been saying, oh yeah, when they kept passing back all the time, it was so they could control the game and slow it down. It wasn't that great, but obviously because they lost, it's like oh they passed it back a bit too often. You know, they were a bit timid, mm. and you think oh, but if they'd won, we'd we'd be calling it brilliant. But then you think, well, if they'd done. Let's just say, like I say, in inverted commas, like they normally do. Maybe they'd have won three 0 Maybe they'd have blitzed them. Mm. Again, this is a very alarming thing for a sports journalist to say, who's in, you know, whose job role it is to kind of have an opinions and be informed. But I don't know as much about what Guardiola wanted to do yesterday as Guardiola. Like he, yes. he could. I always say yeah. this. He could sit us all down. He, he could come on this podcast. Most likely won't. He could come on this podcast and say, "Well, I wanted to do this because of this, this, and this," and we will go, "Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense." So I'm always just going to give the benefit of the doubt to him. And it's not just him, but, you know, with Gareth Southgate or, or any manager. I think that's a really fair point because actually you I, I sp- you spend a Sunday listening to a lot of former players. I, I spend Sunday in the company of a lot of former players. And actually there were a whole range of opinions on how City played yesterday. I mean, Neville and Carragher couldn't agree on really how they'd set that's up. That's interesting. You know, Danny Murphy, he was... Yeah, Danny Murphy, who's in me, was talking about that it took a good 20 minutes to try and work out in, in the match of the day office for Danny exactly what they were trying to achieve. You know, you look at the average positions afterwards and, and Cancelo and, and Foden are virtually, Foden's a bit further forward on the left than Cancelo is on the right, but they're both very clearly advanced Within the Liverpool half, on a well, that's only because the because it's an average position. An, Cancelo would have touched the ball more yeah. as a right back, so it would have dragged him back a bit further. But, but in terms of his positioning in attack, yeah, he was he was he was, way, right he, was a, he was a right winger. So he had a hell of a job yesterday because when Liverpool were sorry when City were pressing Liverpool, he had to be high. He had to be yeah. high and stop that. As soon as the press was kind of broken, he had to get back and play right back. And then as soon as Liverpool, as soon as as soon as City were attacking again, Cancelo had to go and be high again. They did an incredible amount of running without even seeing the ball. Um but again, I mean maybe if bring to bring it back to the question, you talk about, you know, complicating things or asking a lot from certain players. City players generally are comfortable anywhere on the pitch. As we know, they they can do these you know, Guardiola could spring something on them with fifteen minutes yeah. and they'd they'd be able to give it a good a good stab. The main thing the kind of I'd say confuse me is De Bruyne has got so many different uses and if you remember those crosses from the right hand side a couple of years ago Aguero and Sterling would always score at the back post he he didn't have to do them anymore for the last couple of seasons because there was no one to aim at sometimes you know a couple of seasons ago he was the false nine so he was creating in different ways but this season he's gone back to cross it from the right hand side City is so good at getting him in those spaces he runs in that half space someone slips the ball in behind the fullback he meets it first time, crosses it, and either Haaland's there, or as we saw against Wolves, Grealish is there, whoever's at the back post. But then it, the, it's kind of based on the triangles on the right-hand side, but that whole link-up just wasn't there yesterday because there was no triangle. It was just Cancelo and De Bruyne, but De Bruyne was very narrow. And again, you just think, well, if Guardiola told us exactly what he wanted, you'd go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But just knowing what we know and having seen City so often, you just think it was strange to go away from that but yeah it's an interesting one I haven't made my own mind up because like I say if City had a 1-1-0 would have been saying oh yeah it's fantastic but if they had have stuck with what they normally do or something more like what they normally do they, yeah they may they may have you know been more aggressive they may have had more chances and the whole kind of Haaland and Van Dijk chat Klopp said it before the game you know how do you stop the best striker in the world at the moment 
talking generally about Haaland now, but others previously. You just don't give them the ball. I think that was it. City couldn't, that supply line wasn't there. Partly for the reasons we just mentioned there and partly just for for other things. You know, Liverpool being really tenacious and, and stopping the build-up and, you know, get, getting a foot in. But City couldn't work those triangles and work those passing angles like they normally do. And therefore, Haaland had decent chances, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a chance... There was there was no glaring error that he missed, was there? There was no big chance that he missed. It was half chances. He didn't get the service. I it's interesting Sam mentions Van Dyke, because I thought well, and the man of the match went to Gomez, who who marshalled Haaland very well. I thought that I thought what Liverpool did well was actually when the ball did reach Haaland in the box, invariably it was for a header, which is something that he he spoke about in his interview with, with Alan Shearer for the Athletic. Is probably he thinks the weakest part of his game that they managed very well Liverpool Ollie to to stop the ball arriving at his feet in the box yeah there was that one in the second half where he turned just on the edge but it was it wasn't it wasn't sort of a full chance there was the there was the header from De Bruyne's cross in this first half where he just got away from Gomez and just couldn't quite get enough on the header but I thought Liverpool played him brilliantly I thought Liverpool played against Manchester City's creative players brilliantly I, I thought they restricted De Bruyne to very, not very much, um, Foden to not very much, Cancelo. I mean, still, though, there were chances, there were openings, but I, I thought they defended brilliantly, having defended pretty atrociously to this point of the season. And, and I would include Van Dijk in that. Van Dijk's had a really poor start to the season as, as of others. And I thought he was magnificent yesterday. I thought that was you know, an outstanding central defensive display. And as... Was it Jamie Carragher? Was it somebody else saying on Sky? They'd not very, they'd very rarely seen him that sort of intense and that sort of focused. Uh, you know, he's normally very calm, cool kind of defending, and he looked utterly. You know, he looked like he'd taken it personally. I think they all did. I think that was the story of it, really. In terms of going into the game, I think everyone was thinking City could win like three or four nil, maybe more. But the issue with Liverpool this season has been. You know, the, that intensity and their pressing hasn't been there, and you know if you, it's understandable if you don't turn up for the first twenty minutes against Brighton for a three o'clock kickoff if you're having a bit of a dip. But Liverpool were never really going to be able to get no, away with that against City. You know, not not showing up and not rattling into challenges. And in terms of Van Dijk specifically, he has been very passive, and I think generally he's been very passive, and that's kind of a secret of his success. You know, he can rely on his physicality and his speed and kind of his aura. You know, defenders don't really want to take him on, so he's like, well, you have a yard, you do what you want to do with it, and then I'll step in. But I think he probably realised if he does that to Haaland, he's going to be in big trouble. So in terms of Carragher saying he was kind of more focused and intense and front foot, that's interesting, and that probably was a, you know, a measure taken because, okay, I can't sleep on this guy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, next on the pod, let's talk about Real Madrid going to the top of La Liga with a 3-1 win over Barcelona. Dermot Corrigan was there for the Athletic. That was perfect, wasn't it, really, for Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid? Hey, Mark, yeah. Um, everyone was very happy at, at the Bernabeu yesterday. Things couldn't be going better for Madrid at the minute. They're still kind of surfing the wave of Champions League, La Liga last year, unbeaten, and Barca doing badly as well. So, you know, everybody's very happy there. And surfing the wave of just managing transition in that. Mind you, they, they ought to be able to, given, given funds and their pulling power, but they seem to be managing transition of that squad very well as well over the last couple of years yeah Ancelotti has has a bit of a magic touch at that at the minute and they've got rid of big personalities from Cristiano going Sergio Ramos as well um, and then Casemiro this summer but the young guys have come in Valverde and Vinicius and Rodrigo and, and now Chiuameni and all settling in talks to quite a good kind of vibe they have in the dressing room the older guys like Modric and Cruz and Benzema are good examples there's not too many bad eggs really at Madrid at the minute and everything is just flowing for them how dominant were they yesterday super dominant really um and and Charlie was asked about that at the press conference like was he worried at any time um and he he was he's always very respectful to the opponents and that but he was kind of just saying no we, we had that under control and especially Cruz and Modric in the center of the park had, had everything sometimes Madrid sat deeper they allowed Barca to have the ball but they never felt that they were under any danger and Xavi himself kind of admitted that as well he said that Madrid were just more mature that they competed better that Barca still had things to learn that even though they have a lot of experience in the team the young players but they have a lot of experience as well that as a team together Madrid were just much more uh, knew what to do with different types of the game, yeah. much better than Barca. He said he's worried about Barcelona's performances, didn't he, Xavi? Yeah, well, he should be. Um, like the, <laughs> the the last couple of games, even up until up until yesterday, they've been doing quite well. The results were quite good in La Liga, but they've been struggling. They beat Mallorca just one nil thanks to a, a really good Lewandowski goal out of nothing. They beat Celta one nil, but they were hanging on at the end. They were really lucky not to to drop points in that game. And then in Europe. Well, you know, things have not gone well for them um, at all. Like the, the three all against Inter, 
was one of the worst results Barca have had in years, mm. considering the, the context, because they need to be in the Champions League, both for the money that they get and for just the, the excitement and the aura and everything of Barca. If they drop to the Europa League again, which looks almost certain, it's really bad considering everything that they've done, you know, how they've kind of mortgaged their future to, to build it current team. Well, yeah, that the, the lever pulling would, yeah. would need an extra lever added, <laughs> wouldn't it? Or an extra two levers. Yeah, like they're already talking about it. Like Laporta, like Cup did a Barca TV interview just uh, on Thursday or Friday, kind of following on from Inter and before the Classico saying that, talking about how as soon as January they might sign more players, they've, they've lined up to sell at other parts of the club, other chunks of the club that in order to raise more money to, to sign more players. But doesn't well it's risky for sure we always look at it on players joining barcelona but if it you know if they crash out it's a bit tabloidy isn't it but if they <laughs> if they if they go out of the uh, of the champions league and you know struggle miss out on the finances from that are they worried about keeping hold of some of their prized young players uh, i don't think so um like barca have a, still have a pretty high opinion of themselves and the the view from like even in the summer when you know they had just come from the Europa League and the embarrassment of last season, they were still able to get Lewandowski and still able to to get Rafinha, who could have moved to different English teams. I think we talked about that that before the kind of the the allure that Barca still has, and there's no sign of of your Gavi or Pedri or or Anzu Fado moving. At some stage, they may have to sell them, though. That's the the kind of fear that that Barca would have. That you know they, they're not going to get much money if they sell Busquets or, or Pique or or even Lewandowski at, at this stage. So. The, the real problem is that if suddenly it becomes kind of inevitable that, you know, they have to take a 200 million euro offer for Pedri, say, from, from Man City or, or whoever, and that would be a, a, a cruel blow for, for Barca. I had one eye on this game on the... Uh, on a on a screen in the office, and I, I mean, I did think the the penalty at the end was was soft to say to say the least. But why did Laporta confront the referees afterwards? I mean, he was he was invited to leave the officials' <laughs> yeah, yeah. dressing room, which you know doesn't sound great. It, yeah, it was very kind of polite language from the referee in his, or official language, but we can get an idea of what the the mood must have been like. Yeah, Barca were angry. Lewandowski went down under a tackle from Danny Carvajal, which. Kind of one of those that you've seen them given, but also you can understand why it wasn't given at 2-0, I think, in the game. And then just as Barca were, were angry again at the end, Rodrigo goes down. Eric probably does catch him, but again, it's one of those that, that could go either way. Yeah, Barca, they love to, to blame somebody else, especially when things are going wrong. And in the in in Classicos, especially, they like to think of conspiracies or, you know, it's it's all Florentino controls this or the refs are against us or, or we're Catalan and we're in Spain. We're not going to get a fair break. All, all those type of of ideas come out. They came out against Inter as well when there was that handball decision that went against them in the, the away game in the Champions League, which looks really, really bad now. So they're they're upset at the minute. They're they're looking for people to blame and it's it's always easier to, to point the fingers at the referees. A couple of other things away from the game itself and the clubs themselves. Who was that scheduling aimed at? Why why did they go for that slot? Because I, I would argue over I mean this maybe the UK isn't a massive market for them, but I would argue it could it kind of went under the radar a little bit because of where it was scheduled and everything else that was going on here yesterday. Oh, you mean the like there was it was a four PM Spanish kickoff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every year one Classico was on at, at kind of mid afternoon and one Classico was on at night to try and cover the whole world. Right. Um right. I guess they don't think of the UK as much um, as yeah. like the US or, or China, the Middle East. Um all the different markets that that the Classico is aimed at. It's like shown in something like 200 countries. They always 
and they, you know they talk up the figures like 700 million people or, or whatever i would say probably more people watch the Glasgow than watch liverpool man city all around the world and, and that's what they were thinking about and finally you've uh, you've been talking to the original ronaldo yeah you? yeah had the pleasure of of a uh, 50 minutes with him in the center Madrid on, on friday and um yeah, he's a real pro. He's he's very good guy. It was nice nice to sit down and chat to him and got into some kind of deep stuff as well. Because the new film that's come out, the the phenomenon about him is is really good as as football films go. I have to say it's one of the the better ones, and it focuses a lot on how tough he had it. Because what happened in 1998 when you know he had a seizure at the the day of the World Cup and was rushed to hospital, came back, blew kind of Brazil's chances, and then went through Calvary as as he said, held him back with with injuries in the meantime. And then had the the perfect arc to to win at the World Cup, but he, win in two thousand and two and score goals and and win the World Cup final, and he's pretty open about how it was really tough for him mentally. You know, he was under so much pressure that he did you know had that that collapse, uh, and then he found it really really difficult to come back from from all the injuries that he had and just how how much fun it was. So he t- says that players in those days didn't really get looked after the way that they do now, but that he thinks that your Hollands or your Benzmas or whatever are. are there's just more support around him that he didn't have back in his day. Oh my God, there'd have been so much more. Even in '98, even in that World Cup final, there'd have been so much more understanding. I think. Whereas back then, at the time, it was just conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They show that in the film as well. All the different things that went wrong, from him being poisoned to it being yeah. bribes to the yeah. governments getting involved. And we we kind of think now that oh, it's social media and Twitter and and TikTok or whatever that the players are under more pressure. But it shows just how much pressure he was under. The internet had just started. TV news, everybody was in his face. He was the, the most famous person maybe in the world at that mm. stage. He was still just 21. And um, it, it was it was tough for him to deal with. Great stuff. Dermot, thank you. See you soon. Cheers, Mark. Enjoy it. Bye. Nice one. Thank you. And that's it for this pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're back tomorrow. The Athletic.